Welcome to the On Your Marks podcast, and I'm your host, Matthew Wood from GW Active. This is the podcast where we chat to the founders, leaders, and innovators behind the brands that inspire you to get on your starting blocks. The world of sport is competitive by nature, and a business that underpins it often has an interesting story behind it. And with this podcast, we aim to get an insight into those that drive it forward. On this episode of the On Your Marks podcast, I chat to Ollie Laws, the UK and Ireland sales director at On Running. Ollie was an elite level distance runner that spent his running career split between Loughborough University and the USA. He has fast become one of the most influential people working in the running space. Ollie has worked at On since 2016 and has played a pivotal role in the expansion of the brand. It will be clear to hear from this conversation that Ollie is an expert in all things running and his PBs are his proof. The growth of On and Ollie's role within it means that this conversation is an interesting one for anyone in the endurance business space. We started the conversation by asking Ollie about his younger years. Yeah, I was actually born in Oxford, um, but literally only stayed there for about the first year of my life. And then uh, uh, my dad changed jobs and we moved up to uh, Shropshire, so where, where I basically grew up uh, yeah, all through my school years. Uh, so I actually lived in a little place called Much Wenlock, which you may have heard of because um, it was Wenlock was actually the mascot for the for the London 2012 Olympics. So uh, much Wenlock was was one of the places it was actually seen as the, the birthplace of the modern Olympics. Um, so that's kind of it was quite a cool link actually for a, yeah, a, a young up and coming athlete like myself. Yeah, and the next question is, did you play sport at school? And obviously you're a keen runner, but um, did you play any other sports apart from running or were you always straight into that? Yeah, no. To be honest, it was all it was all about football to start with. Yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, I never really liked running that much when I was younger, uh, but I just loved football. So um, I think I realised quite quite soon on though that tall, lanky guys are, are probably not the best at football. You, I mean, you've got Peter Crouch, but Crouchy aside, there's, there's not too many uh, too, not too many tall, lanky footballers. Uh, but no, I, I absolutely love football, and I played football like in all in all of my school teams up to sort of under 15, under 17. And then, yeah, and then to be fair, the running kind of took over. Uh, they sort of, uh, they, they, they didn't really know how to tell me. So they sort, they sort of made me, they made me sweeper. So I'd sit behind the back four so no one could tackle me. Uh, so I didn't get injured. And then, uh, and they just said to me, yeah, just uh, pat, pat, pat the football in. You're not that good. Just, just keep to the running. And that's kind of, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's sort of was, was my path really in, in school sport really. So just, just running after that. Were you clever at school? Did you get good grades? Um, I, I was definitely, I was, I was probably, uh, I was going to say middle of the road, probably a bit below the middle of the road, to be fair. Uh, I mean, my school was, well, my school was actually quite, I'd say it's quite academic. Uh, and I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was definitely the bot, the bottom end of that. But I mean, it was, I, I guess, to be honest, it was, it was partly, I didn't really have a massive passion for any particular subjects at school. Um, certainly up to GCSE. Um, I was sort of just really going through the motions and I probably wasn't, yeah, if, if I look back now, definitely my focus in life at that time was to, to, to get my running and to, to get my football in. The sport was so important to me and the academics definitely took a backseat. Um, I think that changed a little bit when I started to do my A-levels because uh, uh, in my school you could do business studies A-level, but you couldn't, you couldn't do it before then. And actually business studies was, um, was something that kind of, yeah, it really clicked with me. Um, I think it helped that the teacher was also the uh, he was like the coach on the running team as well so we kind of had a quite a good rapport anyway um, but yeah I, I kind of realized then that actually yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to go into something sort of business-led um, so yeah I kind of got into it a little bit more then. 
you went to Loughborough and you did economics. So I was thinking, because your degree is quite an academic, academic one, I was thinking maybe you were kind of a clever kid at school <laughs> and did that, but what, why economics? Yeah, uh, technically, I, I, I did do economics. I did, actually did economics out in the US at, at Butler. So uh, when, I, when I went to Loughborough, um, I did retail management, um, okay. which was... Uh, I'll be honest, I got in, uh, I was listening to Ben Pocci when it, you, you interviewed him a few weeks ago on this and uh, very much similar. I, I kind of got into Loughborough because of my running, really. I didn't quite get the grade. So uh, thank you, George Gamby and uh, rest in peace there. But yeah, I appreciate George getting me in there. And uh, to be fair, retail management was the only course you could get me on. Uh, so I wanted to do a business course, but actually I couldn't get on management science. So I, I kind of fell into it. But it's weird how these things pan out, isn't it? Because, uh, yeah, I ended up sort of, yeah, I've worked in, sort of sports retail uh, various parts of my life so it's it's actually yeah it kind of worked out all right and then uh, yeah and then I went out to the US and um, again similar story I, ha- I had to do uh, the way it works out there I, ha- I kind of had to do a course which was related to what I did in the UK to get a second degree in a really short space of time so you could transfer over parts of my Loughborough degree uh, to my US degree um, so I ended up with, with two with two undergraduate degrees and um, yeah economics again was kind of the one that I could transfer over some of the retail management stuff and just do some extra bits. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was, uh, yeah, the, the US experience was very different to the, to the Loughborough experience. Um, I'd definitely say that the US college system for, um, from an academic perspective is, yeah, is superior. It's uh, like really small class sizes, really, uh, really kind of almost one-to-one small group learning. Um, but yeah, it was, I, yeah, I did actually learn a little bit in America as well as do quite a lot of running. No, it's interesting that you obviously had two different setups there. And the question was asking you about that setup and the kind of difference between them both. But you're saying that it was a more academic setup in the States, but you went across there and so people might understand the, the setup where you got a scholarship over there to go to run out there for, for the university. What was the difference between the setups in the UK and the US in terms of the running side of things? And how do you think that benefited you in terms of your career? Yeah, so the one single difference between the setups, uh, certainly from a running perspective, is it's it's all about the team in the US system. So it's it's not about the individual. Um, running is a very individual sport, as we as we all know. And I think, um, I, I mean, I went to I went to Loughborough, as you said, but actually, um, I wasn't I didn't get involved in George Gandhi's mass sessions. Um, so I think there is quite a good uh, group setup at Loughborough, but actually I was coached by Mick Woods at the time and um, I was, uh, so was Chris Thompson. So me and Tomo kind of just did our own thing at Loughborough. So it was, it was a weird thing. You were kind of, you went to the best running university in the UK, but actually you didn't train with a lot of the guys there. Um, but yeah, no, no regrets really with Loughborough because I think actually we had a, we had a really successful team at the time. Um, we won the, uh, the boosters as it was called back then uh, we won one as a team every year and I, I got a few individual uh, victories myself in the cross country so I absolutely love my time at Loughborough um, but then yeah going out to the US it was it was it was very different um, I think I, I think I'd kind of I had a bit of success just before I'd gone out and um, yeah I had sort of a, a couple of options to stay in stay in the UK and, and actually stay in Loughborough with, with George but um I think I kind of just needed a bit of a change of scenery. Uh, I was just getting a bit, a bit stale at Loughborough. And um, yeah, it was, it was definitely one of the best decisions ever made to, to go to Butler University um, out in Indianapolis. So um, yeah, it's um, very much, as I say, about the team. So uh, every run you did, uh, you'd meet half an hour before. Um, you'd, all, you'd all sort of hang around, stretch, um, have a bit of banter. And then, uh, and then you'd all do, you'd do every run together. 
not not just not just all your sessions um and then the sessions it was very much like yeah tuesday friday um you train together so if you yeah, if you did a, on Fridays, for example, we'd do, um, we'd do an eight to 10 mile tempo run. Um, if you went flying off the front, you just, yeah, you'd get, you get told to, uh, to slow down and reel back in. And it was very much about, you know, the, the U S college system. It's about, it's about the team when you get to co competitions. So it's about what, what, what's your sixth man, what's your sixth scorer going to do? Um, so actually all the training was kind of built around trying to get that fifth and sixth man to be as effective as possible it's not about it wasn't about the superstars at, at, at the front really and um but yeah it worked really well for me it's um i know um lots of different opinions and lots of uh, i think lots of myths about the u.s college system but i think um the important thing is to do your research before you go out there and uh you know make sure you're on a program where the coach doesn't just i guess flog you to death like there is that understanding that um you know you, you yeah you your body isn't invincible and I think um I had a guy called Joe Franklin at, at Butler and he was he was absolutely great um he's 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 been he went to New Mexico University after that actually he's still there and he's yeah they've had massive success under Joe so he was he was great for me because um he actually let me do some of the stuff that um Nickwoods was still setting me but he kind of just um the, the, the sessions were the sessions and we did it all together and you know it brought us all on absolutely yeah leaps and bounds really so when you came back from the states did you come back as an international athlete wanting to keep on training or were you at the point in time where you thought i'm not going to make it as a runner and i want to start working uh, what at what point were you at when you arrived back in the uk yeah um <laughs> I'd say, I'd say definitely I peaked before I came back. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I went out to the US in 2003. And um, I, I, I mean, I, as I said, I was, I was in quite good shape earlier in that year. And uh, I think 2004 is where all my PBs are from. So my, my, my 29 minute 10K and the 14035 k So they're all, they're all from out in uh, that short track at Stanford. Um, so yeah, they were all from 2004. And I actually... I strung out my US experience as long as possible just because if I'm honest, I didn't really want to come back and, and get a job. I kind of wanted to live the, uh, the athlete dream for as long as possible. Um, so I, I actually finished my eligibility in 2005. Um, but they, uh, luckily Butler agreed to, to pay for the, the rest of my degree. Uh, cause usually if you're not on the, on, on the, on the team program, you you suddenly have to pay the, uh, pay the tuition fees. So I was very grateful to them for that. Um, and then I actually, uh, 2006, I actually, uh, was just working out there for a year. Uh, so you can get this, uh, you can get a one year work permit if you've got a degree from US university, um, before you have to go through a yeah, green card and all of that. So I, I worked in a, in a, in a running specialty store out in Indianapolis. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was my final year out there, 2006, I was, I wasn't really, I wasn't training with the team. Um, I was having a few injuries and I was just basically, I was, I was doing the running around working. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I still ran a half decent half marathon. Um, but certainly by the time I came back to the UK, I sort of, yeah, I was having quite a few injury problems and I, yeah, it, it, I think I kind of decided then it's yeah probably time to, I was 27, I think I hadn't really had a proper job in my life. So I thought, yeah, it's probably time to get a proper job and settle down a little bit. No, you got a little bit of a um, something wrong with the, the microphone when you're talking. It's like rustling a little bit. It might be because when you're moving or something like that, it's making like a weird sound. So I'll cut this a little bit out um, and bring it back in. But I'm not, I'm not sure if you maybe unplug it and see what happens. Oh, I'll try like that. Yeah, that's much better. Yeah, I, I can, it, it was just a bit of a look. So 
I'm going to obviously cut this bit in and, and kind of bring that point. So your first job back in the UK, you worked at ASICS, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, it was, um, I kind of, when I realized I was going to come back to the UK, this sort of, yeah, Chris, Christmas 2006, start of 2007, I started, yeah, I knew I kind of wanted to work in the running industry from, from having that year working in a, in a run specialty store in the US. So, yeah, I just kind of just contacted uh, as many of my running contacts as possible. And um, there was a guy called Mark Miles, who, um, yeah, we'd been on a, on a World Universities team together. And he'd actually, he was already working at ASIC. So I just said, uh, yeah, Miles, any, yeah, any, any jobs going to ASIC? And, and luckily, it was just one of, it was one of those fortuitous things. Um, they had, um, it, was, it must have been the January. In, in the February, they had three tech rep positions uh, they were recruiting for at the same time. So they literally just were, were kind of restarting up a tech team. Um, so yeah, I went for um, I went for that tech rep role. Um, I think, to be honest, I, I later found out I think there was four of us going for three jobs, so I had quite a, quite a good chance of getting one. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was two thousand and seven, and yeah, I remember my, my first week at Asics was actually um, it coincided with the London Marathon exhibition, uh, which I don't know if you've you've been with that. I'm sure some of your listeners have, but it's it's kind of probably it's the best way to, uh, to get to learn a brand really, really quickly because you're, you're, you're put into this exhibition where uh, it's four 12 hour days of just talking about the products to, uh, to the, to the end consumer. And um, yeah, that was, that was a huge learning for me, but actually it was great. It was like a kind of like an intensive, uh, intensive course really um, to, to get a great understanding of the brand and kind of what I was going to be doing for the, uh, for the next couple of years. And you progressed quite quickly through the company. So you started at a tech rep role, but you, you've actually took on more responsibility uh, pretty quickly over the years, over the years, I suppose. But what made you like do that with that one company? Why did you stay so long with ASICS? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that was partly it actually, Matt. Just, just the fact that, um, I mean, I was kind of in the right place at the right time when the, when the company was growing. So I, I was actually only tech rep for, um, I started in April and I was thinking in November, it just happened that the um, the guy who was working in the southwest, the southwest sales rep, was was uh, he was moving on. Uh, so I kind of, uh, even though I was living in Teddington in southwest London at the time, I, I thought, you know, I really wanted to progress and, and to get into sales. So, uh, so yeah, they were they were they were, you know, the the interview process there was quite quite straightforward. They were just kind of worried that, you know, could, can you can you do uh, Devon and Cornwall from being based in Teddington? And I was just like, yeah give me a company car. I was uh, yeah, young and happy, happy to drive around. So yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then what happened, I, I did, I did the Southwest for, for a year and then <clears throat> the Southeast role came up um, just again, a bit fortuitously. And the, the guy was, um, I think he was, he was going off traveling or something. He was going off to Australia. And so when the Southeast role came up, I was like, yep, I'll, I'll take that. It's basically the same job. It's slightly, um, you know, I guess a slightly higher, higher value area for the, for the company. Um, but also it meant that I wasn't having to do so much travel as well. So yeah, so that worked out pretty well. Uh, and then I, did, I think I did that for a couple of years and then, um, yeah, then, then, uh, moved up into the, the key accounts at ASICS. Um, so basically going from looking after, I guess, independent running specialty stores to, uh, dealing with, yeah, quite a, quite an assortment of stores from, I guess, uh, the likes of sweatshop, which would be a, yeah, kind of a, a multiple run specialty store to, I mean, I also had the likes of um, Debenhams, John Lewis, department stores, um, ProDirect, really good online retailer as well. So yeah, it was, um, I had a really, really nice mix of retailers that I was selling to and yeah, it was, yeah, I really enjoyed it. 
And then from that point on, you went to work at Runners Needs. So you're working with a brand and then you went to work essentially in, in the retail, I suppose. So back to your degree uh, and it's all come, all come full, full circle. Was that an intentional thing or did you kind of just fall into that new role at a new company? Yeah, um, it wasn't intentional, but I suppose to, to your original question, why did I stay so long? I suppose I, I, I kind, of, kind of hadn't realized I'd been there almost like seven years. And it, uh, yeah, I, I guess I kind of felt it was, it was the right time for a change. Um, and again, it was one of those things I, 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 I was selling to, uh, to runners need and, and that group at the time. And, um, I got on quite well with the, uh, the buying director, uh, a guy called John Stevens. And yeah, it was just, it, it was actually really random. Um, he, um, he just, um, he, he just called me one day and said, Oh, can you, um, can you meet me at the Starbucks, uh, just South of Guildford and <laughs> your neck of the woods actually, Matt, uh, just, just, just off the A3. So I met, I met him for a coffee and I thought he was, I thought he was just wanted to talk, talk business. And he said, uh, yeah, our, um, our, our senior buyers just, uh, he's going to be leaving and like, do, do you fancy it? And I was just like, oh, I don't know. I've never done, you know, I've always been on the brand side and I was like, I don't know anything about being a buyer or the retail side. And he just, yeah, he kind of just gave me the confidence that I could do a good job at it. And, um, yeah, it was, um, pretty much, it was done over a coffee on the, on the side of the A3 and that, that was it. It wasn't really a formal interview or anything. It was, it was, it was quite surreal. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really, I mean, my, my time at Runners Need was really, really insightful actually for, I guess now, now back on the brand side, because, um, what it allowed me to do is just understand how all the different sports brands work. Um, so I'd obviously be, I was being sold to by Nike, Adidas, Asics, Mizuno, um, on as well. And, um, yeah, just, just getting an understanding of how they work because they do, they, they do all work very differently. And um, yeah, it was it was a really really uh, it was a really exciting two years actually. I got to do some uh, you get some amazing perks when you're on the, <laughs> the retail side of things from the brands sometimes. So going to the Rugby World Cup final with with Adidas and then going um, yeah going to going to the World Athletics in Beijing. It was just like you're kind of living the dream sometimes. But then it was it was obviously um, quite quite a challenging job as well. There's a, there's a pattern emerged there with how you got these roles. You haven't necessarily applied for or sat down for formal interviews you've kind of met people had a good network and you've been offered chances as, as you've gone along and you've taken them I suppose do you think that's something um a younger person could could use to their advantage in terms of um building a good network of people at a young age within a, a niche area or do you think that um trying lots of things out in different areas is the best way to go no I, I mean I do think networking is really really important um I think um you know, I, I guess I look at it. I look at it for a slightly different lens now because we're, you know, on we're we're recruiting pretty much all the time. So I think we've, I mean, in in the four years I've been here, we've we've grown the team from three to uh, we're just recruiting for our fifteenth member of the UK team at the moment. Um, so you know, I've pretty much been interviewing the whole time and recruiting the whole time. And I think that the way you kind of view it as a recruiter is that if somebody knows someone and can give a kind of personal reference for their for their personality. Um, it's not everything, but it is a it's a massive. Um, I guess it sort of essentially de-risks the, the hiring decision, you know, if you know what I mean. So you know, just having that kind of personal reference, I think, is really important. Um, but I, to be to be fair, I think what I've, what I've seen from like I guess I say younger people today, um, I think they do do that more. I think it's actually easier with with the likes of with social media. Like you can you can talk to anyone. So I mean, you know, anyone can send you a message on Instagram or, or get in contact through LinkedIn. And I. You know, it's actually really, I actually really enjoy getting messages from, I get quite a few messages on my LinkedIn from 
from Loughborough people actually who said, oh, you know, I've, I've done a sports degree. I want, I really want to try and get into the industry. And, um, you know, I always, I always reply because I think it's like, I, I kind of admire the fact that they're, they're reaching out and they're trying to, they're trying to get advice of how to progress and, you know, they're being proactive. I think that's really, really important. And, um, I guess I just look back to, to my journey and, you know, if it wasn't for reaching out to a, a runner I knew from the circuit who happened to be at ASICS, I mean, I probably wouldn't have got into the brand. So I think, yeah, it's, I think it's really, really important. And your job at ON, how did that come about and um, why the move from runner's need to ON? Yeah, again, well, it kind of follows a similar pattern, to be honest, because, um, yeah, I mean, when I was at runner's need, um, that yeah, we, we were buying ON anyway. And um, so uh, Christian is the, uh, the European sales manager. I mean, we, we'd sort of, I guess, developed a relationship that way anyway of him selling me the products. Um, Funnily enough, he'd actually um, he got in contact uh, two years before I started with On. Actually, just when I just before I joined Runners Need, so he'd he sent me some a message on LinkedIn, and then kept on getting these weird phone calls from a German number on my mobile. Just kept on ignoring them, and, <laughs> and I did I did eventually speak to him, and I, and um, yeah, he said like you know we're looking to get someone um, to, to to be the first UK sales director. Um, and do you fancy it? He said, and, he, and he and he kind of sold it really well. Actually, he said you know. You can build your own team. Um, it's a young brand. We're, we're in some of the key running retailers already. Um, but for me, in, in 2014, it, it wasn't the right time. Um, I think we just, Lisa and I, my wife, had just bought our first house together. And I think, well, yeah, we got married that year as well. Um, so for me, it, it, it was, there was too much else going on. And it, it felt a little bit felt a little bit risky, if I'm honest. Um, I, I guess I didn't fully have that belief in the brand from, from what I'd seen from ASICS at that time. Um, but then Christian, obviously, <laughs> he started, uh, the previous sales director was, was, was there for about two years and then um, made the decision to leave. And then Christian got in touch with me and sort of said, yeah, I know this is a bit of a sensitive one, but yeah, do you fancy it? And um, yeah, it happened relatively quickly, actually. Um, again, it was... Um, wasn't wasn't Starbucks in the A3? It was Pizza Express, just by Oxford Circus, actually, <laughs> where where we had our interview. So very very formal setting, um, but yeah, it was it, it, it yeah it was kind of relaxed. It was, it was very uh, I guess it was a very on way of doing it. Um, we kind of had a bit of an interview there, and then um, I flew over to Zurich just to meet um, just to meet some people from the head office. Which you know I didn't really know what the format was. It was you know I, I sort of gone out with my you know, my smart shirt and you know, my smart trousers and everyone was just in the office when, uh, yeah, oh, t-shirt and stuff, everything's super informal. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of what, I, what, it, what it ended up being. I kept on just talking to people around the office and actually that was sort of what, what we do now is a, we have a panel interview where you talk to like four people in different departments just to, I guess, just for a cultural fit really. Um, but yeah, I think the thing that stood out and kind of, you know, I wasn't, I definitely wasn't certain I was going to join on until, I flew out to Zurich and uh, kind of seeing, seeing the head office, seeing the setup, you know, super, yeah, the office is really, really impressive. Um, I think the thing that impressed me most was um, I kind of got to the office on the, on the morning of what I thought was my, my interview, my interview in inverted commas. And uh, I was, I got Casper, uh, one of the, one of the three founders, he, he met me from a hotel and we just walked, we walked to the office and um, he said, uh, oh, do you want breakfast? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a little kitchen in the office, and he just started cooking me like a cooking cooking me an egg and making me toast. And I was just like, "This is this is kind of surreal." But I, I just yeah, I just thought it was such a, I guess it's such a personal way to yeah, kind of make you feel welcome, you know. So it's just that kind of always stuck with me. And I was like, you know, I just felt like if if the founder of a brand is doing that, you know, it's probably the right brand for me. 
No, that's, that's interesting. And it's also interesting how you started the role as a director and that's still the role you, you have today. And I suppose it's a bit different because you were kind of starting in the UK and you were given the task of building a team around you. I know you mentioned when you were at, um, at university in the USA, there's a massive team culture there. So that's probably your only example of building a team and that kind of infrastructure. Um, have you applied that to the role you have now? And what are some of the challenges you've had about building the team from, from one to 15? Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's definitely some parallels between, um, I guess, my, my experience in the US with the, with the team environment. Um, I mean, although I said Loughborough, we were kind of individuals, I, I, was, I was actually captain of the cross-country team as well. So I think from that perspective, I was, I was sort of in charge with, you know, booking the buses for the Birmingham League. And, 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 and actually with, with the boosters, it was, it was a big thing being the team captain, like kind of, yeah, getting everyone together. So I definitely learned some, some things early on there with, in terms of, I guess, sort of leadership, if you call it that, like leadership and trying to yeah, get the team to gel together. Um, I guess the big difference when I moved to Arn is that, and, and the difference between that and, and, and the running side of things is just, I guess it's the recruitment because, you know, when I was at, when I was at the US, the, the coach had done all the recruitment and it was just about getting the team to gel. Um, at Arn, it's been the whole process. So, I mean, I, I started and it was just me and um, me and Carlos, one of the sales reps, is still with us now, which is, which is great. Um, but, but actually the rest of the team is, you know, we've had to recruit them and, and obviously train them, train them up and um, kind of integrate them in the team. So I think it has been a challenge, but I think it's one of those things that I, it's a nice thing to actually come into a company and be able to grow the team because I can't, I can't now say, oh, I don't like my team or I don't get on with them because I've, I've, I've recruited them and, and, and some of them have been, you know, quite a lot of them being either friends or friends of friends. And, you know, I think that's a really, really good way of doing it because you want to work with people uh, that you enjoy working with. And you, clearly you need different skill sets and, and then and they need to be, they need to do the job. But I think if I look at my team today, like we've got, you know, lots of different personalities. Um, I think there's a, a good amount of diversity across the team as well. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you kind of, yeah, the, the recruitment side of things was certainly a challenge to start with, but um, actually now, yeah, recruiting the 15th member, I'm kind of, kind of getting used to it now. And in terms of the brand itself, when you started in the UK, it, it was quite raw to the market, I suppose, even though it had been going for a couple of years before that. What did you find that you gravitated to, to, to grow that brand at the start um, in the UK? Obviously, it was going Europe-wide. But what are some of the things that you kind of picked up on and thought, I need to double down on this to try and get the brand, the name out there? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I think, um, yeah, I think our, our founders kind of get asked that all the time. It's kind of like, well, why did you create a new running brand in 2010? Because there wasn't really, no one was asking for a new running brand in 2010. They were, they were quite happy with, you know, wearing their Asics and their Brooks and their Nikes and, and all those. So, you know, and, and what they would say is, you know, we, we wanted to do something different and we wanted, wanted to create a different running sensation. Um, and I think that's, that was what was really important um, for us as, for on as a brand when, when we started. And then also for me in the UK in, in 2016, it's like, if you go into a running store and you're just presenting a product with a different logo on it, um, no one's going to buy it. They, you know, they, they, they don't need it. Um, so they need a reason to buy it. And I think what um, what our founders and what, what 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 all the guys at the brand have done a really good job on is is you know, I guess talking about what is our unique selling proposition and and obviously with the, the cloud tech the way the shoes look, um, it's it's one of the things that stood out to me you know even when I was at Runners Need 
um, if you walked into a runner's need when I was working there, there would be, you see, you walk in, you see the shoe, shoe all and all the shoes kind of look the same. And then you've got these ons and they're like, yeah, they, they grab your attention. Not everyone liked them back in back, back then, but they certainly got your attention. And I think it was just having that point of difference. And then I, I guess from a, from a technical selling point to, you know, building the business with technical retailers, um, they wanted to know, you know, there's quite a lot of skepticism of like, well, if this was the best way to build a running shoe, why would, why wouldn't someone else have done it? Um, so you really had to kind of, I guess, explain why our shoes look like they look and what the benefit is to the runner as well. So, uh, yeah, it was, we always kind of tried to focus in on that. It wasn't about, you know, we never went in saying we're going to sign the best athletes and we're going to have the big marketing budgets. Um, it's never, that's never been the on way. Um, I think it's about being, being quite resourceful, being quite entrepreneurial and, um, and actually just focusing in on, you know, what's important to the retailers as well in terms of, you know, making money. So trying to support them with that. That's interesting. And uh, when you first came on the market, it was, I think, your personal experience and your your contact book was opened up and like we noticed a lot of the elite runners who weren't necessarily the, the top one or two but that everyone else below that was kind of gravitating towards this new brand because it was there and do you think that your network of contacts you've built over a period of time really did help drive the on brand at the start um i think it helped a little bit i mean i think um I think certainly uh, Chris Thompson was, as I said before, was someone I trained with at Loughborough. And it it kind of came about actually that, you know, start of 2017. So when I've been with the brand just over a year, um, you know, we, we were starting to work on, you know, look at marathon shoes and spikes. Well, our, our development team was anyway, unbeknown to me. Um, and so actually, yeah, that's, we, we, we got Chris on board quite early. And, um, you know, to be fair, um, Chris has been, he's not just been an ambassador for the brand um he's been you know almost a part of our development team really in terms of developing a marathon racing shoe and helping develop the spikes as well um you know he chris has been super important and even and even our just our, i guess our regular road shoes as well um so you know it's been yeah maybe that helped a little bit uh you know i think chris chris would say it it gave him a bit more trust that i was behind it as well but i think he was he was still quite skeptical to start with um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think to an extent, but I also think that, um, you know, the, we've not, we've definitely not grown the, grown the brand because of the people wearing it. Um, it's, it's definitely been more from, um, I think just, as I say, just having that point of difference in the market. I think a lot of it's just been word of mouth. Um, so people buy their first pair, uh, they normally buy a second pair and, and then they tell their friends. And I think, you know, we've tried to, we've obviously done, um, you know, events with the likes of yourselves that run through, um, which have been really, really useful in terms of um, growing the awareness. And I think that, that was the thing. I, you know, when I started, we didn't have much marketing budget and it was like, well, well how, can we, how can we get to the most runners and also get, the, get, get our shoes onto their feet? That's our, that was our number one, one goal, to get, get the shoes on people's feet and let them judge you know, what, what they think about the unique feel of the shoes. Um, so actually, yeah, we did, we did things like, as I say, lot, lots of events we run through. Um, we did things like the... Bloomberg Square Mile because we felt like that kind of uh, consumer would be perhaps a bit more open-minded to, to, to a different technology. Um, and I think all along, actually, uh, in terms of our sports marketing, it was very much focused on triathletes. So I think we'd already had a good awareness with the triathletes and then that was gradually going over to runners. So You worked quite a long time at ASICS and you've worked on for a period of time as well. What do you notice about the difference in terms of the culture of the two companies and um, what what do you think the positives and negatives are of those? Yeah, I mean, they're they're very different. I think, I I think I, 
I, I enjoyed ASICS at the time and I'm certainly loving, loving, loving being on. I think, you know, I think the culture of a company very much comes from the top. Um, so you look at ASICS, it's a, it's a Japanese brand. Um, it's a very, quite, a, quite a traditional brand. Um, so the Japanese culture is very different to the Swiss culture. You know, the pe people are sli slightly more reserved. Um, they, they kind of believe a bit more in, I guess, gradual, continuous improvement rather than coming out with a crazy idea. They're, they're, so they're quite risk averse. And I think that that kind of culture was, um, yeah, it was, was in the brand. So it, I, I suppose when I was at ASICS, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like I was very entrepreneurial. I felt like I was selling probably at, at the time, the, the, you know, the, one of the leading uh, brands. But you, I was kind of, I, I was kind of like playing for the, it's like playing for Liverpool, really. You're, you're playing for the best brand and you were just selling, but you got a lot of challenges from that as well. And I think also what I've learned is, you know, if you're, um, if a brand's on the, I guess, on any kind of stock market as well, you, you get extra pressures as well. Um, so sometimes you have to make decisions that, you know, to, to keep investors happy rather than perhaps what you think might, might be right in the brand in the short term. Um, I think on it's, on it, it, it's kind of chalk and cheese, to be honest. It's, um, yeah, I feel kind of, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're privately owned. So we, you know, we, we can very much build the business um, as we like. Um, we don't have any particular pressures. Um, but I think also in terms of what I said before about being, I, I feel like we can be quite entrepreneurial and come up with ideas which will, which will be listened to and we can shape things in our own market in our own way. Um, so I think, yeah, it's for me, for me, I guess what, what I needed at that time in my career, it was, it was absolutely what I wanted. So. No, that's interesting. And to go more in, into in depth on like how you work uh, in a normal working week, how does that pan out for you? I know as a director, you've got different tasks and responsibilities and it might not be the same every day, especially with COVID things tend to feel like the same every single day. But if you could think back to early 2020, can you describe like a normal working day for you? And, and that includes like when you wake up, when you train, because I imagine you still run and um, like eating patterns, that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I could probably answer that pre-COVID and then uh, during COVID. But yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think back to early 2020. I mean, to be, to be fair, there was, I, I think um, pre-COVID, the, the regular role when we were allowed to travel, there wasn't really a, yeah, a regular day. I mean, what, what I'll say was always regular is, I guess, the time I get up in the morning, I, I almost always get up at, at six in the morning, which is a little bit earlier. But I mean, to be fair, I started, I started doing that when I moved, um, when I moved house to, to Epsom about five years ago, just because uh, there was a group of guys going running at that time. Um, like quite, yeah, quite decent guys, Scott Overall, Kojo, Karimi. And I was just like, if I run, if I run early, get, I get out of the way. I just don't have to worry about it. And that, and that's kind of how I see running now. Anyway, it's just like, yeah, get it done. Just, yeah. Um, so I, I kind of, yeah, for the last sort of four or five years, I've always got up quite early and then, um, I've got a couple of kids as well, which kind of, yeah, doesn't make it so much of a choice anyway. It's kind of, you, you're going to get up early anyway. Um, but yeah, I think, I think now during, um, yeah, I mean, during, during COVID times, it's very much, the, the, I've got a pretty kind of strict routine to be honest. It's, uh, I get up at six. Um, I actually find between six and probably six and eight um, is my, my most productive time of the day, just because there's no one really emailing or calling you. It's, it's like, you can just focus on what you need to do and, and kind of clear the inbox from the previous day or, or maybe like get ready for meetings of the, of the, of the current day. Um, and then, yeah, it's, I think, I think in, in COVID times, it's probably yeah, four or four or five zoom calls a day. Um, it's, I mean, different, different things. I mean, like today I've been, um, 
uh, I've had an I've done an interview uh, for this uh, new sales role we've got. Um, I've had a catch up with our Nor Norwegian sales director, so I'm sort of he's quite new, so I'm sort of like helping him with a few things. So we had our sort of yeah catch up then, um, and then I've had a, a call with our with our sales reps as well. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like this four, three or four calls and then just, I guess, lots of, yeah, lots, lots of emails. Um, yeah, pre COVID it's very much, it, it was about kind of <laughs> just, it, yeah, it's kind of, it can, it can be quite chaotic. It's the tra the travel you could, I could be anywhere really. So I could be anywhere in the UK and Ireland. And then I, I was going over to Zurich about once a month as well for, yeah, I guess a couple of days at a time. Um, so there wasn't really a normal week. And I think in terms of, I guess, having a structure that it, yeah, I didn't really have too much of a structure to be honest, apart from when I went, when I got up in the morning and when I went, when I went to bed. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely had to adjust a little bit in the last year and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a good learning process, but yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite keen now to, uh, yeah, to go back to a, a little bit of normality. And, you know, I, I think the thing I like about the job is, you know, one of the things is traveling around and, you know, meeting with our retailers, uh, meeting up with our team, um, going over to the head office in Zurich and, and, and meeting up with the, the wider on team as well. So I've definitely missed that a bit, but um, yeah, fingers crossed it's not too far away now. Do you think as, although you're kind of a director and you have to make um, calls about how the other staff work on, under you, but do you think that the nature of COVID and the fact that we've moved more towards these Zoom calls and the efficiency of doing those rather than getting a flight to Zurich to, to have a meeting, over something which you could have done on a Zoom call. Do you think that we will move that way more permanently and then your moving around time will be spent doing things to work on the brand and get the word out there? Or do you think we'll go exactly back to normal again? No, we definitely won't go back to normal. Yeah, I think we've, def we we've learned and uh, yeah, we certainly learned that um, Zoom is pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot, of, um, there's a lot of meetings which are... I think as effective over Zoom as as they are in person. Um, I think our, our our main the main thing I would say is not as good over I guess in the virtual world over in video calls is, you know, when we're actually trying to uh, present technical products to retailers. So if you're trying to sell a you know 190 pound jacket, it, it's definitely easier in person. Let them try it on, you know, than, than than try to do it over a Zoom call. So I think in terms of the the product presentation side of it. Um, you know, we, we've got a showroom in, in London now, just uh, about 10 minute walk from King's Cross. Um, so yeah, we're, we're still very keen on going into there and, and, and getting people and having meetings in there as well. But yeah, I think you're right. There was times when I'd, I'd fly out to Zurich for, for a day. I've done it in a, on a day trip a few times and it's, yeah, it's pretty knackering to be fair. <laughs> so um, going out there for, yeah, on a day trip or for a two hour meeting is, is it's not not really worthwhile and it's you know there's other things it's not it's it's not good for the environment either with, with those kind of air miles so i think you know and obviously the cost perspective the cost perspective speaks for itself so i think i think there'll be i think it'd be more of a balance to be honest um i think yeah certainly we we spoke i've spoken to a lot of people in the industry and i think yeah some people seem to be going that they're, they're, they're kind of thinking it will be totally video but i yeah i don't think it will be it won't it won't keep as it is no way yeah, I was thinking then to, to build a UK team and the people and having that connection with someone, it's good to be in front of them. And I imagine as you as a director and trying to build that kind of culture, you probably need to be facing people and, and, and doing that sort of thing. So no, it's interesting how it's going to play out. But what bit of advice would you give to someone who wanted to get a job at on in the UK? Um, keep checking our website. We get something come up every three or four months. So. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think 
I, I think it, it it depends a little bit on 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 the level of experience. I mean, I think um, as I said before, I get quite a lot of messages on LinkedIn from from yeah recent graduates and stuff. And you know, I think I think the important thing is just trying to get some experience in in the field that you want to go into. Um, so I mean, we're you know a lot of people start off in a sports brand as a tech rep. Um, and you know, we, we, we have a, we've got a part-time tech rep program as well. So that you, you'd work at a, you know, it's kind of ad hoc, but you'd work at say a run per event on the weekend. And then, you know, you, you, you might get two or three days a month. But I think something like that is a really good way into a brand of like doing some yeah, sort of part-time ad hoc work to get your name out there and, and, and show you can do a job. Um, but as I say, it's, it's very much like how, how different opportunities come up. Um, I think how we're how we're structured in the UK, it's it's very much sales and marketing roles. Um, so I think yeah, for, if that's if that's the direction someone wants to go in, then yeah, there's there's probably going to be more jobs coming up in the UK. Um, but there's also a lot of um, yeah, you get a lot of um, sports science people who want to get into product development. And I think um, we we do all of that out of Zurich. Um, so it, it's then about do you want to yeah do do you want to go and live in a different country? And I think that for some people that's they're not quite sure. Um, so yeah, but I think it's I think it's about talking to as many people as possible and just just getting your name out there. Um, so talk, you know, talk to you know, get in get in contact with the people at the brands. Um, yeah, try and find out someone at the brand who knows someone you know, you know, and just try and try and start networking. Really, what kind of privileges have you had while working at this brand now? What kind of stuff have you thought this is fantastic? I'm in a lucky position doing this role. Um, and some examples of how you felt. Yeah, no, there's been loads. I think, <laughs> I think um, maybe I'll talk about my first week at on because that was pretty. That was pretty cool. So I start. I started. Um, I remember it because it's February the 29th, uh, 2016. So it'll be uh, just coming up to five years now. So um, yeah, we we used to um, obviously again pre-COVID. We used to have this uh, annual trip out to Mallorca where we take um, like some of the some of our European running specialty retailers out there. So it was a, it was an annual trip. Um, so that was actually my first week at on was was flying out to New York on a on a Sunday night and I was there until the Wednesday and then I had two days in Zurich <laughs> so I was kind of like I was like wow is, is every week going to be like this um, but yeah definitely that that I mean that Mallorca trip is um, it's uh, it, it normally ties in with my birthday in March actually so I kind of I always I always look forward to that and I was a bit gutted I missed it last year because it was my big birthday so uh, yeah so fingers crossed I mean that, things like that it, it's nice for us but actually it, I mean it's not about us as on people it's about sharing some nice times with our retailers who you know that they work really hard all year round and you know you've, you've had a you know a crappy uk winter and then you can get out to mallorca in march for a bit of sunshine honestly it just it's it's it's, it's a really nice feeling for all of us really um but yeah and i think i think you know it's i think what strikes me about on is just that we get like little when we've not been able to meet in the last few months we get like little gifts so we uh, actually got a got a valentine's gift today like some chocolates and stuff they just sent from head office which we didn't know was coming uh, so that was really nice and then uh, same at christmas we got this like little little christmas bundle that came through so yeah i think i think little things like it's not it's not necessarily about like big expensive things it's about it's nice to work for a brand where they, they think about their employees and they send you out these these little things where you know they've given it a bit of thought um, they know we're all kind of um, isolated from our teams and, and from the head office, but they kind of, yeah, they, they think they think about sending out little things, which I think is a really nice touch. Are there any things that you think you've sacrificed whilst working at this brand? I know you've got, you've got young children and um, you're living in the UK and you've got those long weekends away and stuff, but is there anything else you think you've, you've sacrificed in order to work at such a high level within a, a product brand like this? 
Um, probably the tail end of my running career, but that's that's fine. <laughs> no, I mean to be fair, I kind of I kind of look at running differently now as like it's it's sort of that's my chill out time between work, whereas obviously earlier in my life it was a focus. But no, I don't I don't I don't feel like I have actually. I mean, it, I suppose um, yeah, talking about my family. I mean, it's actually um, my, my youngest is yeah, he's, he's he's only what twenty months old. So I mean, one of the benefits of COVID is I've got to I've got to see him grow up. Um, and, and obviously my, my four-year-old as well I've got to see them grow up a lot a lot more closely than I would have and um, yeah I guess sometimes 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 the travel can be hard but you know it, it's you know it just makes it makes seeing the kids more exciting at the weekend to be honest so it's yeah I don't feel like I've sacrificed anything really um, I think uh, you know it's uh, it, it's part it's part of the role and you know I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to just be working in office and, and and the same hours and coming home the same time every night so I can't actually think of you know it, my job doesn't really feel like a job most of the time so it's yeah I can't complain. Now that's one of the benefits of you obviously enjoying running and then working for a brand that predominantly sells running related products as well so it's um it's a good thing a good example for people to look at and think well you like this sport you like this hobby try and pursue a, a job in that. I've got some more questions to ask you just some quick fire ones but before I ask you that um, where do you see yourself in 10 years time? Oh, sound like my dad, would he? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's, it, it, yeah, it's such a difficult question. I mean, I'll be, I'll be, bloody, I'll be, I'll be almost 51 then. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of, I guess I don't, I don't look that far ahead. Um, I, I definitely do look ahead like two to three years and, you know, I think, um, you know, I've, I've been in this current role for five years, but actually, it doesn't feel like that because even though I've got the role is called the same, like, you know, when I was a sales director to start with, I was, you know, I was doing, you know, I was, I was going out selling to, to all, you know, all the stores in the UK. So I was kind of, I guess I was effectively, I was more, I was more like a sales rep. Um, and now I guess I see my role more as um, sort of, I guess, business development and, and, and trying to coach and lead the team. So actually it doesn't feel like I've done the same job for, for five years. Um, but yeah, to, I guess to answer your question, I mean, I, I, I'd still, I'd still be happy to be, to be on and, um, you know, it, it would be really exciting to see how, you know, how big the brand is in five years, because, you know, we, we, when, when I joined obviously five years ago, um, you, you know, we were tiny and I, and I remember, um, we have this kind of, one yearly meeting uh, every August actually we still have it um, where you you plan the numbers for the following years it's quite yeah sometimes quite a dry meeting but actually we always have these kind of blue this this blue sky thinking and um, I remember 2016 that we, we spoke about you know where where might each of our countries be in 2020 and um, we basically had to write down how many pairs of shoes we thought we'd sell in, in, in by 2020 and <laughs> I chose a number and I, I was sat next to the um, the French sales director and I was like okay he's similar population similar market size and he'd he'd gone like yeah about 30 percent higher than me so I was like oh crap I'm, I'm I'm gonna look really bad if I if I say my number so I just put it up so I thought and then actually you know we, we exceeded that number uh last year and I, and I never thought it was possible so I guess why, why why I'm going off on that tangent is that I really don't know what's possible with on in the ne in the next five years. Um, yeah, ten years is way too far ahead, but yeah, certainly in the next five years, I really want to see how, I guess, the hard work my team and I have done. You know how it looks in five years' time. That's interesting. And so to finish off, some quick fire questions. So the first one: favorite film. Oh. So you said you're going to ask me this, and I was kind of preparing for it, but I'm really not a film guy. I'll be honest. I, I, my, I think my um, my span of attention is about 50 minutes to an hour. <laughs> so 
Um, there's a few films that kind of, I just, they, they kind of resonated with me at the time, but I wouldn't say they're necessarily my favorite film. So um, I remember The Beach, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. So that, that came out uh, about the time I left school and I went, I went traveling to Australia and New Zealand for a few months. So at the time, I really loved that film because I kind of felt like a, like a crap Leonardo. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think the other one, which I kind of stuck with me actually, was it just, I always remember it from my time in the US um, with, with yeah, nice memories actually, was uh, the film Eight Mile with, with Eminem. Um, so I remember it was kind of like, I guess before I went to college in the US, I'd never been to America before. And um, I just remember we, uh, when I went, I went for a recruitment visit a few years, uh, sorry, a few months before I joined, and um, that song, that song had just come out, uh, the Lose Himself song, and I was just like, and then, and then I saw the movie, and I was just like, I just kind of suddenly from that, I just loved America, and I kind of felt like it was, it just sort of really fit in with my life, and it was kind of our, it was like our, our pump up song for the for the Butler cross country team before before meets, we'd all get in the van and lose ourselves. So probably <laughs> those two. No, that's interesting. Um, favorite TV show. Ooh, again, a tricky one. I, I think um, I've really got into box sets more in, in lockdown. I just think that, yeah, just actually watching a TV show is just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah every, everyone just likes stuff on demand now, don't they? I mean, I, I guess my, my wife and I really like things like Grand Design. So she's, she's really good at like interior design and stuff. And I do actually quite like watching those sort of transformation programs. Um, but yeah, no, we're watching, um, we're watching a thing on Netflix at the moment called um, Ozark, which, yeah, we're only just into it. I got recommended it, but it's, yeah, it's really good. So I'd recommend that. Yeah, I've actually been watching it again. I've, I've watched it once and I've watched the whole series again, so I find it really cool as well. But yeah, um, <laughs> favourite, and this is a weird one because I ask everyone else's question and they haven't got an answer for it, but um, you've got a definite answer and the answer is probably on. But your favourite shoe brand, running shoe brand, and, it, and this is for you personally, is in like, it, before on came about before on was even a thing what was your goal to yeah no, that's a good question i mean then yeah i um i guess it's a it's a difficult one i got i managed to get a few bits of kit you know through through the years from i guess from yeah being a, a like a junior international so i got i got bits of stuff from from adidas and nike when i was at um at school and at loughborough so i kind of never really I never really chose my kit, I guess, if you like. Um, I think when we actually, when we were in the US, we, we didn't actually have a, have a kit sponsor, which is quite weird. Um, just, it was just quite a small university. Um, so, you know, back then I was always wearing the, the Nike Pegasus. Um, I think everyone at that time, it was when um, those Prefontaine films had come out and everyone in college just wanted to be Prefontaine. So I guess it kind of came from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got, I got on with that shoe quite well at the time. Um, I think I probably struggle now because I'm not quite, quite so light and quick. Um, but um, but yeah no I mean uh, yeah joking aside I mean I wore um, I wore on for my second London Marathon so the first London Marathon I did I wore a, yeah a, a, a traditional race shoe from a, one of the leading brands and you know I, I yeah it, I, I ran all right but actually I was, I was so ruined the day after the well I said the day but the week after the marathon so I remember going to, into Runners Need the following day actually after my first marathon and the, there was. Uh, it was three floors up by the offices and I just I literally I couldn't I got up the stairs okay but getting down the stairs was just absolute nightmare and um, but actually when I, I did my second marathon in the uh, in the on cloud which is yeah almost more sort of a lifestyle shoe for us now but a lot of the triathletes were, were racing in it at the time and um, yeah I think what I found was that I mean yes I ran I ran a little bit quicker than I ran in, uh, the year before but I think what I, what I found was I didn't have that muscle soreness that I, that I had in the traditional racing shoe 
Um, so yeah, I do put a little bit of that down to the down to the shoes. But I mean, ultimately for me now, running it's not about times; it's about just being able to get out there and not get injured. And and I haven't I haven't really I had a lot of injuries um, between the the US and and I guess yeah, starting it on and haven't really had any injuries. So to be fair, as long as I can keep injury free, um, it, and and on can help me do that, then that's good. And um, yeah, the, the brand was founded actually by. Uh, one of our founders, Olivier, was uh, he he had been getting injuries uh, when he was a sponsored professional triathlete, um, and that's what that's one of the reasons he found the brand as actually as a sort of an injury prevention device uh, with with the cloud design. So you know that's it's kind of always stuck with me that you know these shoes should stop you getting injured. So no, fair fair enough. And you mentioned football as a sport you played as a kid, and and obviously love running. But favorite sport to watch on TV. Yeah, football as well. Yeah, I mean, it, I do. I do like watching watching athletics. I just think that um, I think football does a very good job with the in the entertainment side of it, and I don't think athletics does. Um, I think that's the thing. You, uh, my wife and I sit there watching athletics, and we're just like sometimes we're just like this is really boring, but we actually like athletics. And mm. I think you know, I can I can get my wife to watch boring Shrewsbury game, and it's it's more entertaining than some of the athletics stuff. So, you know, I think. Um, yeah, I do. I do love football. Is definitely the sport I go to to watch. But I just think that um, kind of yeah, athletics could do a lot, lot more to promote itself better on, especially on TV. Favorite podcast or radio show? Yeah, that's a good one actually. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, I've obviously started listening to your podcast, so yeah, it's that's quite good actually. But to be fair, I, I like listening to podcasts actually just about um, about business people. So I suppose I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't make enough time to read, and actually, I, th- I find going out for runs and listening to sort of business-led podcasts about about interesting people. I do, I do, f- I generally find that quite interesting. Um, I mean, there's quite a few. There's quite a few good running podcasts at the moment, which I listen to just just hearing from from different athletes. Uh, so there's one called the Sunday Podcast, which yeah, is good. It's good. It's um, it, it it's re- it's just interesting to hear, I guess, uh, younger athletes now, like how, how they view the sport and what their challenges are now versus kind of what what we might experience when we were a little bit younger so and favorite book or audio book if you prefer audio yeah um as i said i'm, I'm one of those I'll, I'll buy a book to read on holiday and then I, I don't i don't really read outside of holidays but i'm actually um we just within my team actually within the uk team we just started a started a book club this year which is obviously because we're, cause we're really cool um, but no i actually thought it was just quite a good thing for actually you know um just just to, so we can discuss something outside of work and um, yeah, so I'm actually reading a book called Shoe Dog at the moment, which is uh, about Phil Knight, the, the creator, uh, the, well, the founder of Nike. And um, yeah, I've only, I'm only about quarter of the way through it. But yeah, it got recommended to me by quite a few people, actually. So yeah, I'm going to give that a good read. It's, yeah, I think it's, uh, I, th- I think I'm going to like it. It's, it definitely sounds like a kind of story where, you know, a little bit like Honor, I suppose. It didn't, didn't sound like he had a, a solid plan when he, started the, when he started the brand, but it kind of, it's just a lot of things have grown organically. So. Oh, perfect. Right. That's it for today. Thank you very much for, for joining me. It's been great to talk and um, hopefully we'll cross paths soon. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. For more information on On Running, check out their website on-running.com. And for more information about Ollie Laws, check out his Instagram at Ollie Laws. O-L-L-Y-L-A-W-S. And that's it for this episode of the On Your Marks podcast. If you'd like more information on GW Active, check out gwactive.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us again soon.